Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. In this week's headlines, longtime LGBTQ ally Senator Kamala Harris is Joe Biden's pick for running mate in the 2020 presidential election. And she's already named a proud black lesbian political heavyweight as her chief of staff. A judge in Kentucky says a photographer can legally discriminate against LGBTQ people. And Ricky Martin told Out Magazine he once feared he'd never be a parent because of his sexuality. Now he's a father of four. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. Former Vice President and presumptive Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden announced Senator Kamala Harris of California to be his pick as the vice presidential nominee in this year's election. In addition to the history-making choice, as the first black female vice presidential nominee and the first Indian-American candidate on a major ticket, Harris is a longtime proud ally to the LGBTQ community. As San Francisco's district attorney, she created a special hate crime unit focused on crimes against LGBTQ children and teens. In 2006, Harris organized a conference in California that brought together over 100 officials from across the United States to discuss strategies to end the use of the so-called gay and transgender panic defense. In 2014, California became the first state to ban the practice in law, and in 2018, Harris and other senators introduced a bill to prohibit the practice nationally. In 2008, she vigorously opposed Proposition 8, California's anti-marriage measure. While serving as California's top prosecutor, a job she held for six years, she refused to defend the ban in court. In 2013's Hollingsworth v. Perry ruling, the United States Supreme Court upheld a 2010 federal court decision invalidating Prop 8 and gay marriages resumed in the state. In recent years, she's pledged her support for reinstating Obama-era protections, vigorously pursuing hate crimes, and passing the Equality Act. Although the United States Supreme Court issued a landmark decision this past June in Bostock v. Clayton County, Georgia, finding that Title VII of the Civil Rights Act bans workplace discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity, the Equality Act would amend other federal laws pertaining to credit, jury duty, and housing that are not immediately affected by that SCOTUS decision. You may also recall Harris made headlines when she made Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh squirm during his confirmation hearings by questioning him on marriage equality. Alfonso David, president of the Human Rights Campaign, the country's largest LGBTQ rights group, said in a statement, quote, it's clear the Biden-Harris ticket marks our nation's most pro-equality ticket in history, end quote. Pete Buttigieg, the openly gay former presidential hopeful who frequently campaigned on his experience as a mayor and gay man in, quote, Mike Pence's Indiana, tweeted, It feels good to visualize the moment when Vice President Mike Pence is replaced by Vice President Kamala Harris. As political observers are aware, 
Pence and Harris have starkly different track records when it comes to LGBTQ rights. Pence, the former Indiana governor, signed the 2015 Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which was controversial for protecting anti-LGBTQ discrimination. Harris and Pence are set to debate on October 7th. In picking Harris, in picking Harris, Biden is sending a strong signal about the future of the Democratic Party as younger and more diverse than the Republicans. And he's also setting Harris up as a potential successor At age 78, Biden could choose to become a one-term president. Now, it's worth noting that the choice of vice president doesn't necessarily make as much difference as TV political experts would have you think. But the choice is often seen as a reflection on the presidential nominee's outlook. For instance, a bad choice, like John McCain's elevation of Alaska Governor Sarah Palin, can hurt a campaign. And even today, Democrats will admit that while Virginia Senator Tim Kaine was a solid choice for running mate for Hillary Clinton, it did little to energize her campaign. Harris's pick falls in a different category, in my opinion, in that her choice is so historic on so many levels. And black female voters in particular have been some of the most faithful to Democrats in presidential elections. Trust and believe having someone who looks and sounds like them with her resume is certain to bring in energy to the Biden-Harris campaign this fall. And more from the Biden-Harris campaign, political veteran Karine Jean-Pierre, a proud black lesbian and political heavyweight, has been named as Harris's chief of staff for the vice presidential candidate. Jean-Pierre is the first black person to serve as a chief of staff for a vice presidential candidate. The Haitian-American political veteran, activist, and lecturer has worked on several presidential campaigns, including John Edwards, Martin O'Malley, and former U.S. President Barack Obama's historic victory in 2008. And Jean-Pierre has long been a vocal advocate for LGBTQ rights and equality. Well known as a political pundit thanks to appearances on NBC News and MSNBC, she served as a national public affairs officer for progressive policy advocacy group Move On, and she's lectured at her alma mater, Columbia University, on campaign management. And in the summer of 2019, she briefly went viral when during a campaign event, she protected Kamala Harris when a protester stormed the stage at a political event. She firmly stood her ground against the much taller person and then pushed him back several steps as security personnel were able to safely remove the protester from the stage. Good for the Biden-Harris campaign. Good choice. Clearly, Jean-Pierre is a strong addition to the Biden-Harris campaign. A federal judge appointed by Donald Trump to the Western District of Kentucky ruled this past week that a Christian photographer in Louisville can turn away same-sex couples despite the city's ordinance prohibiting LGBTQ discrimination. U.S. District Judge Justin Reed Walker issued an injunction blocking the city from enforcing its own fairness ordinance against Chelsea Walker, no relation, I assume, who claims she can only photograph weddings between a man and a woman due to her religious beliefs. Quoting the U.S. Supreme Court's opinion in Obergefell v. Hodges, Walker wrote, Just as gay and lesbian Americans, quote, cannot be treated as social outcasts or as inferior in dignity and worth, neither can Americans with a deep faith that requires them to do things 
passing legislative majorities might find unseemly or uncouth. Walker went on to say, quote, Her photography is art, and art is speech, adding that the government can't compel speech when it violates someone's religious beliefs. Although photography is wordless, he wrote, So too is refusing to salute the flag or marching in a parade, both of which the Supreme Court has said are protected forms of speech. End quote. It's worth noting that Judge Walker is a protege of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and served as a law clerk to then-Judge Brett Kavanaugh of the United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. He then went on to clerk for Associate Justice Anthony Kennedy of the Supreme Court of the United States. In a statement, LGBTQ advocacy group Lambda Legal said, Judge Walker is just the latest in a long line of judicial nominees championed by right-wing organizations like the Federalist Society for their zealous opposition to the Affordable Care Act, as well as other extremist views jeopardizing the lives of LGBT people and others who need access to fair and impartial courts. Alex Morse is the openly gay four-term Democratic mayor of Holyoke, Massachusetts, who is currently running for Congress. Last week, he was accused of having sex with students at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, where he had been a political science lecturer while he was on the campaign trail. Morse, who's 31 years old, put out a statement this week saying he has dated college-age people, but he never took advantage of anyone, and apologized if he made anyone feel uncomfortable. He also called the whole story a politically motivated smear campaign rooted in homophobia, and he said he has no intention out of dropping out of the race for the 1st Congressional District of Massachusetts. Now, TheIntercept.com reports it's obtained screen captures of chat messages circulated among a group of college Democrats, including one who is angling for a job with Morse's opponent, Congressman Richard Neal, that suggests a year-long plot to bring down the 31-year-old mayor's congressional campaign. According to The Intercept, Timothy Ennis is the chief strategist for the UMass Amherst College Democrats. In the obtained chats, The Intercept reports that he and others allegedly discussed plotting an attack on Morse to bolster Ennis's chance of landing an internship with Neil. According to the outlet, Ennis admitted to being a self-professed Neil Stan, and he also said that he hoped to intern for Neil's office, writing, I need a job. Neil will give me an internship. The Intercept reports the students hatched the plot to find Morse's dating profiles and coax him into saying something incriminating that they could then use to damage his campaign. Ultimately, though, the students were unable to dig up any dirt on Morse. The closest thing they could find was a random Instagram conversation Morse had had with Andrew Abramson, who now serves as president of the UMass Amherst College Democrats, as well as evidence that Morse once had a Tinder profile. Morse, who was first elected mayor of his town at just 22 years old, spent his 20s balancing his personal and professional political identities. He was even careful not to list his job information on his Tinder profile. He told BuzzFeed News, That's why it's been so disappointing. Despite 10 years of walking a fine line and being very careful, I was still made to feel... The intention, I think, was to make me feel, and the response made me feel, an awesome sense of shame, which is just completely inappropriate. Even so... The group reached out to Politico, 
try and get the allegations published. After being approached by the reporter from Politico, Morse contacted Abramson and apologized if he had made him feel uncomfortable with their chat. Abramson responded by blocking him on the app. The story has ignited strong opinions from several directions, while many, including the LGBTQ Victory Fund, which is supporting and siding with Morse, many others are still bothered by the fact that in a post-MeToo world, he admitted to dating students while he was a lecturer at UMass Amherst, though technically this does not go against UMass policy. Nor has there been any evidence that he dated students who attended his lectures. Haley Fleming, College Democrats in Massachusetts President Haley Fleming has since written an email to members in which she tried to explain how their letter accusing Morse of these things came to be. She also says she apologized to Morse for the, quote, homophobic responses he had received that she said played on inappropriate stereotypes about gay men. She wrote, I apologize for the role that we played in that harm, end quote. Gee, who'd have seen that coming? The Massachusetts Democratic Party is now investigating the origins of the claims against Morse. Singer Ricky Martin shares with Out Magazine that he once feared he couldn't become a parent because of his sexuality. Today, Martin and his husband, Juan Yosef, have four kids. The international pop star opened up about the personal struggle he endured coming to terms with his sexuality while also wanting to become a father in a new cover story for the magazine. As a young man, the 48-year-old singer said he had difficulty accepting that a gay man could also be a dad. He said, Many years I dreamed of being a father, and many, many, many times I went through this grieving process of, I am gay, I'm a closeted gay man, and I'm not going to be able to be a daddy. Obviously, adoption is an option, and it's very beautiful, but unfortunately for gay men, it's very difficult to adopt in some countries. Martin, who confirmed his marriage to Juan Yosef in 2018, is father to four children now. Twins Valentino and Matteo, born in 2008, daughter Lucia, who's one, and newborn son Ren, who's nine months old. All four of Martin's children were born via surrogate. In 2010, he told Oprah Winfrey about his decision to use surrogacy as a way to become a father opting for a private process, where both the egg donor and the surrogate didn't know about Martin's identity. Now, 10 years and two more kids later, the singer said he definitely would like to see his family expand even more. Martin, who comes from a big family, his grandmother had 14 children, admits that every Sunday is filled with family, and he looks forward to having many grandkids, but you never know. You have to wait and see. He tells Out Magazine, there's moments where I want 10 more, and then there are those mornings where everybody's crying, and I'm like, okay, maybe we're fine at six, referring to his husband and four children. The Live in La Vida Loca singer is also well aware that becoming a parent of a newborn, again, only gets more challenging with age. He says, listen, I became a daddy when I was 35. It's not the same thing when you're 48. You need energy. And while I'm strong, trust me, I'm healthy. I'm carrying two babies at the same time and the stroller and the backpack. But it's a lot. It's a big responsibility. 2020 was supposed to be a really big year musically for Martin. He'd come into it with a Latin American tour on the books, which started in Puerto Rico in January, before he traveled to Argentina and Chile, and then landed in Los Angeles. But when California Governor Gavin Newsom shut down the state with a shelter-in-place order in March, the rest of Martin's tour was postponed. 
But don't worry, folks. Ricky Martin and his music will be back soon. Filed this story under I'm not going to brag, but... Roadsnacks.com crunched the numbers from the census to come up with the gayest states in the U.S. According to research, which asked actual Americans if they identify as LGBTQ, 4.5% or about 1 in every 25 Americans say they're gay. That number has gone up over time as more and more Americans are coming out as gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender. I'll cut to the chase, and I want to give a shout-out to the top five gayest states, beginning with the surprising New York, the home of the Stonewall Riots, Greenwich Village, and Chelsea, and the largest transgender population in the U.S. Number four is Rhode Island, where Woonsocket and Providence seem to be gay population centers. Number three, Delaware which is the fastest-growing state for gay Americans. Since the last census in 2010, the number of same-sex households has gone up 41%. With San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Palm Springs in the mix, it's no surprise California comes in near the top at number two. But pardon the humble brag, as my state, Nevada, scores the number one spot for the most same-sex households in the U.S., thanks to Reno and my town, Las Vegas. Since last year, the number of reported same-sex households has jumped 43%, six spots on the list, to number one. Surprisingly, a leading author has called Reno the, quote, queerest little city in the world, noting that the oldest continuously running gay LGBTQ bar in the state, the Five Star Saloon, is in Reno as well. In related news, Reno is also deemed the divorce capital of the world and the first city to allow gambling in 1931, which sounds kind of related in a weird way, right? Variety reports that the Disney Channel's animated series The Owl House has made history by having Disney's first bisexual lead character. Luz Noceda, the show's 14-year-old lead character, is a normal teen who explores another world in order to become a witch. In the past, Luz has shown she's attracted to male characters, but in recent episodes, a relationship between Luz and the recurring female character Amity is explored. Eventually, viewers find out that Amity wants to ask Luz to Grom, their world's version of prom, and the two share a dance together. Dana Terrace, the series creator, confirmed these theories on Twitter that this was indeed a portrayal of an LGBTQ relationship, something that some Disney executives weren't always keen on having in the show. In a series of tweets, she wrote, In development, I was very open about my intention to put queer kids in the main cast. I'm a horrible liar, so sneaking it in would have been hard. When we were greenlit, I was told by certain Disney leadership that I could not represent any form of bi or gay relationship on the channel. But, she continues, I'm bi. I want to write a bi character, damn it. Luckily, my stubbornness paid off, and now I'm very supported by current Disney leadership. Now, I want to note this is not Disney's first time including an openly LGBTQ character in a cast. However, up until this point, they have been represented in minor or non-recurring characters. Notably, in this year's feature film Onward, the character Officer Spectre, voiced by Lena Waithe, was revealed to identify as lesbian. Andy Mack became the first show on Disney Channel to have a character discover they're gay. And in May, the Pixar short film Out featured a gay main character in its Disney Plus launch. 
And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't mind sharing it with your friends. I like to think of The Randy Report as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. Please remember, wear a face mask in public, wash your hands a lot, practice social distancing, and most of all, take care of yourselves. See you next time.